0: Welcome to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial knowledge. This is episode 11, recorded on April 2nd, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice. Do your own research. So this week we'll start with the market update. Then we'll talk Bitcoin news. And then I thought it'd be interesting to walk through the relative performance of Bitcoin and some re- Bitcoin-related investments and uh, do a little compare and contrast on performance and some of the other features. Um, talk a little bit more about uh, self-custody, which I talked about quite a bit last in last week's episode so let's get right into it. market update the stock market this is courtesy of seeking alpha my weekly summary the stock market eked out slight gains on friday while the u.s yield curve extended its recent flattening after another strong employment report signaled that the federal reserve is likely to raise rates at least six more times this year investors appeared largely shake off a recession signal from the bond market that was triggered when the two-year and the 10-year treasury yields inverted for the first time since 2019. Crude oil posted its biggest weekly loss in more than 10 years after the Biden administration ordered an unprecedented release of U.S. strategic reserves in an effort to tame surging prices at the pump. For the week, the S&P 500 squeaked out a slight gain, while the Dow Jones edged slightly lower. And the NASDAQ gained 0.6% after the three benchmark indexes closed the first negative quarter for stocks in two years. Um, Interesting, I listened to a podcast today uh, with Zoltan Pozar, who's a pretty famous uh, analyst who works for Credit Suisse. And uh, has talked about Bretton Woods 3 and some of his latest pieces. And he actually said he doesn't think that a recession's around the corner. He thinks the yield curve is sending the wrong signal. Um, but he did seem to think that uh, uh, very similar to how I believe uh, that the commodities, hard assets, are really where you want to put your money. Uh, you don't want to be in bonds. You don't really want to have too much in fiat currencies. And um, he also liked uh, shipping companies, too, because uh, there's going to be a lot of demand for ships uh, to move things around the world as supply chains uh, get stretched and, and change with, with uh, sanctions and, and other things. So, um, And he said stocks can probably do well also, but probably uh, stocks that, that uh, generally do better in a higher interest rate environment. And uh, in an inflationary environment. So um, probably not tech stocks. So I thought that was interesting. Anyway, moving on to Bitcoin news. I have three articles this week. Uh, first one is from Bitcoin.com. This was posted on April, 3rd, uh, sorry, April 1st. Uh, 19 million Bitcoin have been mined into circulation. 2 million left to be found. The Bitcoin network reached a milestone on Friday, April 1st, 2022, after records show that 19 million Bitcoin have been mined. The watershed moment occurred at block height 730,034, and now there's only 2 million left to be mined. At block height, the total amount of Bitcoin in existence was 19 million. BTC at 7:05 p.m. Eastern Time. When Satoshi Nakamoto created the Bitcoin network, the the inventor set the maximum supply to 21 million, and research shows that the number is a hair less than 21 million. Some estimates indicate there will only be 20,999,817.31 Bitcoin. The Bitcoin dashboard at clarkmoody.com, which was leveraged to record the 19 million Bitcoins mined into existence on Friday, shows there's only 1,999,781.23 Bitcoin left to find. Whenever a block is found by a miner, the coin issuance increases by 6.25 Bitcoins per block, which is $289,656 at uh, today's price uh, found. A block is discovered roughly every 10 minutes, and the next block reward halving is expected to occur on or around May 3rd, 2024. After the next halving occurs, miners will get 3.125 Bitcoins per block, and the next halving will take place in 2028. Bitcoin's issuance is programmed, mathematical, and ultimately predictable. and This is why people can estimate the time frame between difficulty adjustment changes and when the next halving occurs. At the time of writing, the Bitcoin network's inflation rate per annum is 1.74%. And after each halving, the annual inflation metric will continue to slide. While data shows there are 19 million Bitcoins mined into existence, no one truly knows how many there really are in circulation. This is due to the fact that there's an unknown number of unobtainable or lost coins that will never be spent. However, Satoshi Nakamoto accounted for the lost coins dilemma when the inventor said that unobtainable bitcoins will make the crypto assets scarcer and therefore more valuable. Lost coins only make everyone else's coins worth slightly more. Think of it as a donation to everyone, Nakamoto said. As the next halving is expected to occur in 2024, it is estimated that block rewards will stop issuing fresh bitcoin by the year 2140. And the miner reward system will be based entirely on transaction fees. After 19 million Bitcoin was mined at 7:05 p.m. Eastern Time, records show there's approximately 109,966 blocks left to mine until the next reward. Having uh, so, pretty significant milestone there, and uh, that was quite a bit the news last week. Um, Uh, Only 2 million Bitcoin left to be mined. Uh, The next article is Bitcoin network difficulty reaches all-time high as miners pursue 2 million Bitcoin. This is from Cointelegraph. Uh, It was posted uh, yesterday. Just when the Bitcoin miners helped release the 19 millionth Bitcoin in circulation on Friday, the Bitcoin network's mining difficulty reciprocated by reaching an all-time high of $28.587 Bitcoin's network difficulty correlates to the computational power required to mine Bitcoin blocks, which currently demands an estimated hash rate of 201.84 exahash per second, according to data from blockchain.com. Supporting the spike in the network difficulty, Bitcoin's hash rate maintained a stronghold throughout the year, while breaking into an all-time high of 248.11 exahash per second on February 13th. A higher hash rate ensures resilience against double spending attacks, which is the process of reversing Bitcoin transactions over the blockchain by contributing to at least 51% of the Bitcoin hash rate. Back on March 4th, roughly a month before reaching an all time high, the Bitcoin network difficulty experienced a slight decline from 27.96 trillion to 27.55 trillion, which eventually fell down to 27.45 trillion until March 30th. Prior to that, the resilient Bitcoin network grew consistently since July 2021. With just 2 million Bitcoin left to mine as as rewards and an influx of Bitcoin miners from across the world, the Bitcoin network is expected to increasingly grow stronger as it supports the thriving community. It is estimated that the remaining 2 million Bitcoin out of the total supply of 21 million will be eventually mined roughly by the year 2140, owing to factors including halving. So that's also good news because uh, the higher the hash rate, the uh, the the stronger the network is, the better the security is, and the less likely um, it is to be attacked. So, um, uh, all good news. the um, The hash rate did take a big hit um, uh, earlier when China kicked all the miners out of out of. Uh, out of China, and they all relocated to the United States, um, and that was uh, actually in that time frame back in, I think it was about a year ago, um, and uh, it's uh, since recovered and is now hitting all time highs. So um, that that is definitely good news. And the last uh, last update is from bitcoin.com and uh, this was posted uh, on April 2nd Vanek reports Vanek report calculates Bitcoin price could tap 4.8 million if Bitcoin becomes the global reserve currency Executives from Vanek's Emerging Markets Bond Investment Team Eric Fine and Natalia Gurushina published a report on March 30th, 2022. It touches on extreme scenarios where gold or Bitcoin theoretically become M0 or M2 money supplies. While a monetary base, M0 or narrow money equates to all the physical currency and coins, M2 measures both cash and checking deposits and broad money as well. Vanek Insights blog post says money has changed and highlights the recent sanctions against Russia. Which froze the country's US dollar, euro, and Japanese yen fiat reserves. Fine and Gurushina write that Venex EM bond investment team thinks the world's central banks will act, as will private individual actors. The team attempts to quantify the emergence of gold and Bitcoin backed regimes, and after the calculations, both estimates are quite substantial in terms of price value. We built a simple framework to value gold and Bitcoin. For gold, we divide global money supply M0 and M2 by global gold reserves. The VanEck EM bond investment team blog post explains. The money liability is divided by the reserve asset. We used re- current reserve holdings in troy ounces for gold, and we use the current exchange rate to convert the monetary base liability into US dollars. The EM bond investment team ex- explains that the implied global price for gold using M0 divided by global gold reserves for countries with the largest gold holdings is $31,000 per ounce average and 21000 per ounce median. Additionally, the implied global price for gold using M2 data divided by global gold reserves is around $105,000 per ounce, Fennec's report notes. The next team did the same calculations for Bitcoin in contrast to to cryptocurrencies because the potential supply of crypto is infinite while Bitcoin has a 21 million coin supply cap. The report notes that the upside would be higher with Bitcoin, 33X, than gold, 16X. The implied price of Bitcoin using the same aggregate M0 that we used for gold is around $1.3 million per coin, the authors noted in the report. Vanex extreme scenario calculations further estimate the implied price of Bitcoin using global M2 is $4.8 million dollars per coin. The report's authors stress that the circumstances required for this to happen would be an unusual event, and assumptions are based on the probability of that extreme scenario occurring or on the portion Bitcoin will be fulfilling in any new reserve status. Vanex report states. At the end of NX Insights blog post, the authors say that something big has happened and they are attempting to quantify the impact. Stories about the future of money are interesting, but if one agrees that this is a potentially new paradigm, an attempt at quantification is needed, VanX report concludes, that was our intent with this exercise, to be as specific as possible about the nebulous and complicated issue. The key asset price implication of the big change is significant upside in gold and Bitcoin. So that's pretty interesting. And that actually dovetails into the, um, the uh, podcast I was talking about earlier uh, and some of the things that Zoltan has been writing about as it relates to uh, the new monetary regime. And um, it certainly seems that um, hard asset-backed currencies is, is going to be the, uh, the wave of the future. Um, because, uh, currencies that, 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 don't have any backing like all fiat currencies, uh, are, are, um, well, they're in trouble. Um, you know, most of the countries like in, in uh, Europe and the United States are heavily in debt. Um, They're in zero interest rate or very low interest rate environments. So raising interest rates, which needs to happen to combat inflation, is very very difficult to do. And um, and the sanctions uh, of Russia have basically shown the world that you know if if a if a government um, doesn't get along with you. And they've got your money in their bank, um, you, you could lose it. So um, that's going to force a lot of countries to really think about um, how they're going to hold their their currency reserves. They certainly don't want to hold them overseas. They're going to want to hold them domestically, and they're going to want to make sure that they can actually use them uh, to purchase things. Um, and, that, and that you know that they're they're not going to be sanctioned. So I think what this Van Eck report is talking about is very similar to what Zoltan's talking about, which is um, 30 days ago when this war broke out in, in Ukraine uh, with Russia, uh, and then the sanctions hit, um, was really a watershed event in, uh, in uh, global economic history. And Um, It's important to note that things, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight, but over time, um, uh, you're going to see the changes happen. And and when we look back on this, probably in five or 10 years, um, it'll be stunning, I'm sure. But it'll it'll probably happen very slowly. And so, um, you know, again, owning... Um, hard assets not financial assets and if you do own financial assets probably stocks and probably stocks that are going to hold up well in a high interest rate environment would be uh, would be good commodities or and and, and companies that produce commodities are going to be I think good investments gold silver uh, things of that nature um, in this new in this new environment okay so moving on to uh talking about relative performance of bitcoin and what i'll call bitcoin related investments um so these are some of some of these i've i've talked about in the past i've mentioned in some of my writings and in some and some of my um, podcasts um Uh, So obviously there's just, you know, Bitcoin itself, owning Bitcoin, um, and I continue to think the best way is to hold it yourself, self-custodied in a hardware wallet. Um, So we'll start with the first, uh, we'll start with maybe the last 12 months performance, and then we'll just kind of look at each of these uh, individually and how they perform. So Bitcoin course been a rough uh, 12 months it's down twenty point eight nine percent which isn't great but uh, but of course if you zoom out it's done quite quite well over over a longer term uh, but I'm just using that time frame just to benchmark so twenty point eight nine percent negative return now coinbase which is you know uh, an exchange so they don't Typically, uh, have that much uh, on their on their books, that much cryptocurrency on their books. They make their money off of uh, storage and uh, you know transaction fees for for um, facilitating buys and sells and that sort of thing. So they're down twenty five point four percent over the past twelve months. Uh, Marathon Digital, which is a big uh, Bitcoin miner, is down forty one point four four percent. Over the last 12 months, MicroStrategy, which is uh, you know it's a software company that has levered up their balance sheet and bought a lot of Bitcoin uh, in a number of different ways through stock issuance, bond issuance, convertible bond issuance, um, and uh, so they're they're down 30.82 percent. And then uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is a um, Closed-end fund that owns um, Bitcoin and it, it trades uh, is down thirty-seven point oh two percent. So I'm looking at these these different investments. I mean, obviously they, they they're all performing over the last twelve months uh, worse than uh, Bitcoin, and and for miners that's to be expected because they tend to be more leveraged, uh, both to the downside and the upside. Uh, MicroStrategy is probably suffering a bit from being a tech stock and getting caught up in that sell-off, and Grayscale um, is a hard one because uh, there there was a time where where there was a premium um, uh, of the uh, price uh, of the shares uh, over the uh, net asset value of of the underlying Bitcoin, and that. Uh, evaporated. Now there's a 25%, 26% uh, discount to, to NAV. So, um, uh, so, so that's obviously contributed a bit to its, its volatility. Um, but one thing you have to also consider in addition to the performance is, um, you know, what's, what's the counterparty risk. And when I think of counterparty risk, I think of it in different layers. Uh, one layer would be, you know, is it on an exchange? Is it, is it in a, in a brokerage account? Could that account theoretically be turned off or confiscated if the, if, you know, like what happened in Canada with the truckers? So you have to consider that. And then also, um, uh, you know, the if it's a company, you know, there's always risk of something happening to that particular company, whether they get a lawsuit or something happens to their business and uh, and so on and so forth. So you've got those those types of risks to deal with. And then on the other hand, um, you also have to consider fees. And so for obviously owning stocks. Companies, there's no fees, but if you're if it's a managed fund, there's typically a fee associated with it. So just going down the list, Bitcoin and self-custody, obviously you've got no counterparty risk, no fees. Uh, Coinbase, you'd have counterparty risk, but no fee. Uh, Marathon Digital, you'd have counterparty risk, but no fee. MicroStrategy, counterparty risk, but no fee. Um, actually with Marathon and MicroStrategy and Coinbase, uh, you have the two counterparty risks because you have the, you know, is my brokerage account? Do I have access to my brokerage account? And then, what's going on to the with those individual companies? What types of risks are they facing in the business environment? And then uh, grayscale, uh, same thing, same same two counterparty risks, and uh, they also charge a two percent fee, so they're kind of high. So. Um, so that's kind of the overview over the last 12 months, you can kind of see, you know, obviously Bitcoin uh, performed better. Um, then I looked at the last one month. So over the last month, uh, and then I also uh, wanted to look at uh, the ProShares Bitcoin ETF, which is this new Bitcoin ETF that trades uh, futures contracts. That hasn't been around very long so I, I wanted to see how that performed over the last month too and then the rest of these side by side so looking at bitcoin bitcoin was up 5.51% over the last month uh the bitcoin uh proshares bitcoin etf or bito is the ticker uh was up 5.59% so barely outperforming um Coinbase was actually down 4.22%. Marathon was up 7.63%, which kind of makes sense because you'd expect the miner to to, to outperform the commodity. Although, again, 2% isn't that big of an outperformance. Uh, MicroStrategy, 7.88%. So again, that outperformed a little bit better than than Marathon. Uh, But again, if you think about it, 2%. You know, uh, over one month is great, obviously, but but two percent more than Bitcoin, um, you have to kind of weigh that with you know the risks. And then Grayscale uh, actually underperformed; it was only up four point one six percent over the last month compared to uh, Bitcoin at five point five one. Um, and one other going back to the pro shares, Bitcoin, ETF, one other issue, in addition, that one, you know, you've got counterparty risk, but you also have, um, uh, risk it, it when, because they're using options contracts, when those options contracts roll over and the spot price is lower than the futures price, then you could potentially lose money when you have to renew your, your, your futures contract, something called contango in, uh, in uh, futures trading parlance um there's a the opposite you know is true where the if the spot price is higher than the the futures price that's called backwardation um and that's actually good you actually are profiting but most often you're gonna if you have a normal uh, curve you're gonna have the contango and, and therefore that's why these bitcoin Uh, futures-based ETFs are really not great investments to buy and hold um, for that reason. They just, they kind of, their value just kind of erodes away over time. Um, uh, And then, uh, you know, going back to Grayscale or GBTC, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, uh, again, it's currently trading at a, uh, 26% discount to NAV. So uh, the market price the, as of the last trade was 32 bucks versus $43 in holdings. So some people look at that and say, well, it's a great opportunity to get, you know, Bitcoin cheap. Uh, and that's, that's true. I mean, you can, you know, if you buy $32 share, you're getting $43 worth of Bitcoin, you know. Um, you are paying a 2% fee on that. And um, the the bigger issue is you don't know when that's going to turn around. You know, when is it going to go from being a discount to par or to premium? Uh, now, some people believe it will go to par when, when uh, the SEC approves a uh, Grayscale's application to be a Bitcoin um, ETF, a physical ETF. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, everybody's tried and nobody's so far gotten approved and it uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, you'll, you just have to sit on that discount. Uh, and again, there's some other, you know, downsides, obviously the, the counterparty risk and the fees. So, so looking at all this, I mean, yes, you do get some slightly higher leveraged returns with, uh, miners and, and things like microstrategy, um, but I think my conclusion is, you know, why take the risk? Um, if you if you want to get exposure to Bitcoin, just buy and hold, self custody. Uh, that's your safest uh, way to build wealth, and um, it's pretty easy to do, and. Um, most individuals can can do it pretty easily. Institutions have a little bit more trouble because they have to, you know, um, they have to work within brokerage account environment. And there's a lot of people that it's just easier for them to sell shares of a stock and and buy shares and these these other things. And and that's fine. I mean, as long as you understand uh, the risks and and the rewards. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Marathon or MicroStrategy or Grayscale or or even the the big uh, ProShares uh, ETF or, or any of the other ones that are out there now. And there's several other. I'm not recommending these by any means, but there are other miners, Bitcoin miners. There are other uh, futures-based ETFs out there. Um, you know, they they all basically. Um, operate the same way and, and can provide diversification to portfolio but it seems like the simplest, easiest and, and you know um, best performing least risky way to hold Bitcoin is just to hold it yourself so that's pretty much it so thank you for listening to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast helping you increase your financial knowledge you can follow my blog at f5-q.blogspot.com. And uh, also my Twitter, which is at Nick Reichert, N-I-C-K-R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. It's called Bitcoin Fortress. Um, I kind of changed the name because I mostly tweet about Bitcoin on that. Uh, i pretty active there, and I do like to post... Uh, you know, interesting things that I come across um, for my followers to to read on uh, different financial topics. Um, and I will talk to you next week. Hope all is well. Take care. Bye-bye.